0: What's up, Muscle Intelligence Nation? Be back here for a solo Q&A version today. Didn't announce it, just jumped on your impromptu, and I wanted to talk about this document I've been writing for you guys. So as we get so many new people into our world, I think it's important that you guys start to understand what actually is valuable when you go into the gym, where you should place your mind, and how to make the most of everything you do in the gym, body and mind. So today's focus is going to be, as I wrote, uh, the 40 ways to get the most out of your workout. And as I said, that starts from the minute you guys get in the door. So for anyone listening to this, either live or after the fact, go ahead and drop questions in the comment box here, the Muscle Intelligence Facebook group. If you have questions, I will answer them at the end. Obviously, if you're answering after I've recorded, you can't do that. But if you guys want to join the Muscle Intelligence Facebook community, we'd love to have you. And community is growing. So we did notice recently we've had some people slide in who aren't listeners of the podcast or who aren't customers of the Muscle Intelligence Committee. And listen, it's going to happen, but we are absolutely doing our best to educate, which is literally why I'm here. I don't, I don't believe in the idea of telling people they're wrong. Great. You don't understand how to do stuff yet in the gym. That's wonderful, but that's why I'm here. And so me belittling people and saying, hey, you're teaching the wrong stuff in the community kind of goes against what I teach and or what I believe. So if you don't know something yet, it's my job to step up and go, hey guys, well, that's really not correct. That's old school bro science kind of nonsense. So the idea of that's what works for me doesn't work. It's not real. And hopefully all you guys know that by now, all you guys part of this community know that, you know, just because it works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Most people are basing their paradigm around exercise. Off of professional bodybuilders, professional athletes who are extremely experienced, extremely genetically blessed and often enhanced. And those things just add a whole different dimension of complexity to performance and recovery and and digestion and all these these things that you may not have access to. So rather than teaching you tactics, I want to teach you principles, right? This is a little bit tactical. There's a little bit of tactic in in this document that I'm going to share with you guys today. Um, But certainly there's tons of value and getting into some of the nitty nitty gritty of of how I make the most of my workouts, how I would make the most of your workouts. And, you know, I've been so blessed to train with so many amazing athletes and train myself for so many years at such a high level that there's things that I think about that you don't and that you probably may never um, or you may never have the opportunity to push that hard or train when you're fatigued or get to that level of unconscious competence. Right. So within exercise. Until you become unconscious of something, you can't then shift your conscious to something else. So if if you're still thinking about breathing, well, you can't focus on the form. If you're focusing on form, well, then you can't focus on adding more resistance or creating more tension or looking at those little intricate details that exist within every workout. So today's focus of the podcast for people who just joined is going to be the 40 things to get the most out of your workouts. And I'm going to rip through these relatively quickly, try to keep you guys on here no more than 30 minutes. Um, So there's going to be some overlap, but I'm literally going to start from the minute we walk into the gym. Like what happens? How do you create your mind, right? So many people walk into the gym, just like they walk into life and it's uh, allowing the world to create their mind. And I think that's a huge problem. When you wake up in the morning, you should be hyper aware of who do I want to be today? How do I want to show up? And for me, that starts with meditation and that starts with just simply calming my mind. And calming the waters, right? And that's a great metaphor is I often just imagine myself being still as water and my muscles relax. However, there's certainly value and utility in becoming the stormy ocean. And we'll talk about that as one of the points today. So point number one, and, and again, these are not in order of importance, certainly, but perhaps in the order of uh, how you may experience them in the gym. And yeah, there may be some that are out of state, out of order, but for the most part, I will, I just doing this progression of walking you through, hey, I'm going to the gym. What should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? And point number one is anchor superhero you and who are you in superhero form, right? What do you look like? What are your thoughts? What is your posture? Everything from the way you breathe to the way you stand to the way you feel inside can become this new avatar you create. And I think that's so important for you guys to realize, are you going into the gym empowered or defeated? Are you going in as a victim or as a, as a creator? And I think taking on that mentality of, uh, and this is actually moving into point number four. So this is kind of blending some points together, but creating this anch- this this superhero anchor. So take five minutes before you set foot in the gym to focus your mind and create the mindset that's going to ultimately empower you to be the best self today. I think people don't do that. And for a long time, I sat in my car for five minutes and I turned the music off or maybe I turned the music on and maybe I had one song that anchored me to become this person that I need to become in the gym. And that doesn't, that's not the same person I'm going to become when I'm having a conversation with people on the street, is it? Nor is it going to be the same person I become when I'm at home with my children and loving them and caring them and, and giving them the, nur- the nurturing they need. It's, it can't be the same person if I want to succeed. So this idea of anchoring these avatars, and I've talked about this before. So point number two then, change your state. What does that mean? Change your state. Well, the ability to... Access higher level you superhero you means changing your physiology and right posture breath movement aggressive movement is what you should be focusing on if your objective is to create some some type of intensity in the gym which I would argue that it is whether or not you're trying to build a huge amount of muscle or not I think the ideal scenario for human health is this idea that, and this is a point later on in this document as well, is you're you're creating the warrior way up here as I lift my hand above my head and the monk way down here as I drop my hand down below my waist. So you're creating these fluctuating energy states. So when I'm in the gym, I want to feel like a warrior. I want to feel like I'm, I'm focused. And again, I use this term in here too, but it's focused savagery. And I borrow that term from a friend of mine, Matt Golan. It's an amazing term. I'm focused, but I'm so relentless in trying to work my hardest and put my most focus and intent into this effort. So that's point number two is change your state. So I'll read the point to you is walk, stand, talk like a strong and confident person the minute you walk through the threshold, even before and carry that with you. right? And uh, in the beginning, and I still suffer from this sometimes, it's very easy to get distracted and get pulled away, isn't it? So people come to the gym, they want your attention. They want to talk about their problems. They want to talk about their relationships. They want to talk about whatever. And it's pulling you out of that state. And Honestly, in the beginning, when you're learning that state, it's a very challenging thing to go in and out and in and out. So trying to stay in it as long as you can. So oftentimes you'll see me with a hat on, you'll see me with my headphones in, whether or not there's music playing or not, I'm anchored into that state. I'm anchored into superhero me. Number three is breathe. And now when you go into the gym, this is something I've just adopted very recently. And I've been breathing for a long time, but this particular breathing practice I'm going to share with you has been massively influential in allowing me to access higher level states peak states, we'll call them, without having to use stimulants. So I still drink a cup of coffee before I train because I enjoy it, because I think I get a bit of a bump, but I also don't need it. If I don't have it, I'm not going to freak out and go, oh geez, I have to drive to the coffee shop. I don't need it. I just like it. So what does that look like? Well, the breath practice that I've borrowed from Brian McKenzie, and I give all credit to Brian McKenzie. He's a wonderfully brilliant man. His business is powerspeedendurance.com. Is this 3-3 three, three breath and I've been doing this for quite a few weeks now, and the difference is, is massive. So I'll get on the step mill. I personally like the step mill. You could use a bicycle. You could use a rower. You could use a treadmill. And I'll start at a relatively low intensity. I'll start at like a three or four on the step mill, and I'll do about 60 seconds. But the key is I'm breathing at a 3-3 three, three breath, which is... Three seconds in, three seconds out. And you're maintaining that breath cadence. And every 60 seconds for 10 minutes, you're gonna increase by one level on the step mill or on the on the treadmill or whatever it is. So you're increasing the intensity by a small increment. So after 10 minutes, you're going at a really steep clip and you're still keeping that three, three nasal breath. So you're really training your body to exchange oxygen well with the environment, right? You're training the nasal or the diaphragm, train the muscle of the diaphragm, but you're also training your body's ability to exchange gas with the environment, which is huge. So what I notice is one, my brain feels like it's just lit, like somebody just dumped a bunch of endorphins on it and I'm ready to crush. But also my, my uh, relative effort in breathing, my aerobic fitness is massively increased. So I suggest all of you guys try that. And just so you though, know, if, if anyone wants to pick up this document, it will be available for free on Muscle Intelligence. Whether or not it's just in the member site, I'm not sure. It's, it's definitely going to be included when anyone picks up a program. So if you pick up a program, I want you to go through this stuff because there's going to be some stuff in here that's extremely valuable that you've never heard of. Somebody's commented, it, it does get tough. It does, but only in the beginning, right? After a while, 10 minutes is super easy, but you realize it, it's such a massive stimulus to your system that you're going to be ready to go, right? You don't need seven pre-workouts anymore. So point number four is use strong words, get rid of victim words. And I talked about this with my 44 success principles is the words you're going to use is I'm going to, I will, I can, I get to, right? You're confident, you're, you're certain. It's words of certainty rather than sorts of ambiguity and victimhood. Point number five is develop the habits of greatness and habits are everything. And this is so important for you guys to think about every little thing you do. And this is the only time I'm going to mention habits in this document, but this may be the most important point of all is every little thing you do from the way that you breathe to the way that you persist through challenge, to the way that you act between sets, to the amount that you use your phone, to the way that you grab a bar, all that stuff is anchoring future you, right? You're creating habits. And so I try to do my best when I'm training and you ask my training partners now, and it's, it's pretty damn methodical. I'm trying to doing my best of becoming super aware of everything I do from the way that I aggressively grab the bar, from the way that I calmly, calmly uh, approach an exercise. It's very, very methodical and I'm amping up my breath. And I'm going to give you another little tip around the breath later in this document on how to get the most of your set without having to you know, be like, oh man, I lost focus. I've got this amazing little hack I've been trying that's been working extremely well. So develop habits of greatness. So it's every set, every rep, every exercise is an opportunity to become the best version of yourself. And that goes so much deeper, right? It's your thoughts. It's your breath. It's the way you grab the bar. It's what you're thinking about. It's the way you breathe. It's the way you react when you get deep into a set, right? Am am I going to quit as I get closer and closer into this proverbial fire? Am I going to keep pushing? And that anchors that habit. So I suggest, I really, really hope each and every one of you has the ability to become present And make a conscious decision rather than an unconscious reaction. Number six, go internal, right? And I talk about this a lot. So many of us are so disconnected from our internal body, aren't we? We think, sometimes we observe, but not enough do we feel. And paying attention to what's happening inside of your body is maybe one of the greatest opportunities that exists with an exercise. So when I'm training, I'm feeling what's happening inside of my body. 60 or 70% of the time, my eyes are closed. Don't close your eyes when you're using free weights, please. Dumbbells, barbells, don't do that. When you're using a machine that's relatively safe, closing your eyes eliminates this 90% of the stimulus you're getting into your nervous system from the visual system. So it allows you really to start focusing on proprioception and feeling. Guys, I'll answer all those questions at the end of these 40 points. So it allows you to just feel, doesn't it? It allows you to feel and, and And place all that focus inside of your body. So exercise, this is an important point, exists outside of your body with the attempt of creating an internal response, right? So everyone's focused on what's happening outside, the the load and the exercise and the sets and the reps. And all that stuff is, is not the goal, right? All that stuff is the vehicle. The goal is to create the internal response. So if the external stimulus, the exercise, doesn't create the internal response, it's a fail, So I'm more focused on how could I super intently create this internal focus and this internal response. So number six is go internal, right? So is is every rep doing what I want it to do? Is every inch of every rep doing what I want it to do? Think about it. Think about it. Number seven ties very much into the rest of these as well. It's just simply being present because in order to change, in order to take action, in order to be your best, you must be present, now, what does that mean? Well, I need to not be mindless, right? I need to not do things mindlessly. Most people go in the gym, turn on some loud music, and they're mindless. And maybe eventually there's a time and place for that. But in, in the short term for all of us, the worst thing you can do right now for 95% of the people I've ever met, maybe 99%, is hashtag work hard. And ironically, that's a comment here. It's complete nonsense. You don't need to work hard yet. You need to work smart first. There's this missing wedge that exists that everyone should be conscious of. You need the wedge of, of learning how to do things correctly. And the examples that, that come to mind, if I sit down to play the piano and my instructor yells at me to go faster and work harder, is it going to be better at playing the piano? If I pick up a golf club and I want to swing a golf club, is it going to be better if I just do more and more and more and work harder and harder and harder? No, it's a finesse thing. It's like perfect it first and then you can actually increase the effort and intensity with which you, you do these things. So the one thing I didn't really mention, and maybe I did make a little in the document, but all the breathing is always done nasal, guys. It's not, uh, it's never done through your mouth. Even when you're at your highest intensity in weight training, most of you should be able to stay 100% nasal. Like if you're doing high end or anaerobic stuff on a bike or on a, on a sprint or something like that, of course, you're going to go your mouth breathing. But in, in weight training, I'm 100% mouth, um, nasal breathing because I, I mean, I train pretty hard, but it's never needing to go mouth breathing. Like very, very seldom would I even open my mouth other than to speak. So just reiterate, point number seven is be present. Get one opp- You get one opportunity today to make the most of everything you've got. What are you going to do with it? Number eight, take complete ownership for everything you do. You alone are responsible for your performance and your success. So we all make excuses around time, around genetics, around family, around money. Bullshit, right? Bullshit. There's somebody out there who's absolutely crushing you. You can do all of these things. You have the ability. You just haven't created the habits or the skills yet and that's why we're here right that's why muscle intelligence exists is to empower you with the skills the skills the knowledge the understanding the habits of being able to build the body of your dreams because it's not hard guys despite the story you tell yourself it's not hard it doesn't even take hard work per se because hard work is perception right I don't think I've ever worked hard a day in my life right I enjoy everything I do I enjoy pushing myself it's not hard it's Fun. When you know how to do it and you know this little bit of extra effort is going to get results, that's rewarding. It's fun. It's awesome. It's the most rewarding thing I do most days to be able to push my body and mind. It's not hard, except if you choose to make it so. So that's number eight, take complete ownership for everything you do. Number nine is every single rep is an opportunity for progress or to retreat into old habits. Pay attention to every inch of every rep. How many of you can honestly say, I'd love to see some some hands go up here in the box? How many of you can honestly say you're 100 percent present during every workout? I know I can't. I'm pretty close <laughs> some days. Depends who's in the room, depends who's in the gym, but I'm pretty close some days. And and those days would be the days where you're like, oh, he must be in a bad mood. But the reality is, I'm just so internal. There's no facial expressions. There's no F, there's no seamlessly at no effort, although there's so much intensity and and savagery ultimately going into those sets. But every single set, every single rep is an opportunity for progress and ultimately to ingrain those habits deeper into who you are. Number 10 is pay attention to tempos and ultimately rest periods as well. So tempos determine the stimulus that's being exerted on your body, right? So we can have a nervous system stimulus. We can have a muscular stimulus. We can have an energy demand like a metabolic stimulus. Certainly, we can have a stimulus to the aerobic system, the anaerobic system. And tempos and, and, and rest periods, or otherwise known as maybe density, the density of the workouts, plays a big role in the type of stimuli or the types of stimulus, if that sti- types of stimuli, I guess, that the body will be subjected to. So if it's something that's very slow tempos, it's going to be very different than something that's fast. If it's very low density, meaning lots of time between sets, Going to be something that's very different than things that are dense, as far as the demands it places on your body. And this is the type of stuff, guys. If you're interested in the stuff that I will teach in my mentorship uh, to all the coaches out there, really anyone who wants to build their greatest body, I'm doing a three month mentorship starting very soon that I can teach you how to how to decide which one should I be doing for me right now. And it, it's more complex than I want to dive into here. But the podcast format is going to change. Going forward a little bit, getting more into very, very specific, like one point. We're going to go deep on that one point each podcast, but that's number 10. So pay attention to tempos and rest periods. Number 11 is challenge muscles. Do not complete reps. Again, a bit of an overlap, but people mistakenly go in and just do three sets of eight and they think they've done a good job. And and that's so subjective, isn't it? Well, maybe it's objective, I guess, but there's the subjective nature of improving form, and I, I wish and I'm honestly working on some way of objectifying execution. so like I want to give everyone the, the Facebook blue check once we see their their form is great. So I'd love for you guys to share your videos of execution in the muscle intelligence community or on the muscle intelligence mi40 nation page. Because ultimately, I'd love to see what you guys are doing. And like, if you get this this thumbs up of "Hey, man, that's really, really good," even if it's an eight out of ten, now you've earned the right to to increase effort, intensity, load, volume, all these things, right? And most people won't get to a ten out of ten in their life, and most people don't even know what that looks like. And so, when you come to to train with me on my camp or with me in person, I'll be taking you from a four to a six or a four to a seven. And you'll get more results in two to three months than you've ever gotten in the last 10 years. And I say that with a high degree of certainty because anyone who's on here has ever been to one of my camps will attest that's the truth. And most of you say, if I say, hey, how's your execution? Most people will say, oh, it's good. It's good. It's really good. The answer is it's not really good. It's, it's probably poor. And you have a massive opportunity to improve results without ever having to work hard. That's the catch, right? Because hard work misguided often leads to injuries and, and pain. So we're going to try to lead you guys down the path of doing things correctly that challenges muscles rather than putting that resistance that you're lifting up, that load, and putting onto the passive structures, right? What's the passive structures? The ligaments, tendons, bones, joints. Um, So once you're not using the muscles anymore because you're maybe not doing things correctly, that's when joints really start to kick in. So we have to learn how to use muscles correctly for your body, which is not the same as mine number 12 and you guys have heard me say this before so 12 13 and 14 I'm just going to bl- I'm going to blend them all together for sake of time it's set up stabilize initiate these three things I want everyone to remember when you walk into an exercise okay so i need to learn how to set up for my body because i'm different than you to maximally challenge the muscle I'm trying to train. So if you lay into a bench press and I lay into a bench press, those are very different things based on our structure, right? Based on our muscle development, based on our skeletal system, those are completely different things. So I lay into into a flat barbell or dumbbell press and my pecs grow. And most of you guys out there will lay into a flat dumbbell or bench press or barbell press and you'll get sore shoulders or maybe your upper chest will grow. And I've said this before in a podcast, but if you guys haven't heard this before, 90% of the people I meet, maybe more, <laughs> a flat bench press is an upper chest exercise. It's a, it's a it's an upper pec movement. And most people, what do you mean, Ben? An incline is for upper chest. And the answer is no, it's not. Upper chest is for most people, it's done most effectively on a flat. Well, how do I train my lower chest then, Ben? Well, you need to do a decline. And most of you probably need a decline fly. And how many people have decline flies built into their programs? Very few, right? So all the guys who are changing at my gym, all of them have decline flies programmed into the pretty much every workout because that's what I've determined. Again, this is not from learning from some other textbook. This is what I've determined works the best, kind of ubiquitously, whether man, woman, if you want to build an overall bigger pec, decline presses and flies probably need to be a part of your program. And you guys will see that if you pick up the Muscle Intelligence Chest and Delts Guide that I do include a lot of decline movements or what I call often writing as lower chest movements, which you'll, if you actually read the guide, you'll determine it's not flat for most people. It's usually decline and often fly. The second one being stabilized, and I've said this a zillion times before, is your ability to contract muscle is dependent on your ability to create stability. So I'm going to say it again, a little sound bite for you. Stability governs contractile ability, meaning if I'm not stable, I don't contract hard. And contraction is the prerequisite for muscle growth, isn't it? Tension is the prerequisite for growth. So stability is this huge, huge elephant in the room of people just like, oh, I don't really know if I'm stable or not. Well, that's one of the biggest opportunities that exists for all of us. Improve your stability. And I I read in this document, actually obsess over stability because stability is the key to making muscular progress. And there's, there's two more little kind of asterisks beside this. If you can't build your upper body, it's because you don't have stability at your shoulder blades, at your scapula, at your shoulder girdle, and probably your spine as well. And if you can't build your lower body, it's because you don't have stability of the pelvis and oftentimes the spine as well. And so this trunk and spine ties into everything. If you don't have stability of the trunk and spine, mobility and stability at the trunk and spine, you don't build muscle. And all, same goes with the shoulder girdle and pelvic girdle. So anyone who has weak legs or hamstrings or quads or glutes I'm going to say with a high degree of certainty, you probably have poor mobility. Either you're really tight, quote unquote, tight, which is poor mobility. You don't need to stretch or you have hypermobility, which means you're going into positions that are compromising your back and causing pain. That doesn't happen very often in our community, certainly. But uh, most people are lacking the ability to get into these positions because they're quote unquote, tight and they think stretching is the answer, but it's not. And stretching is, is often the opposite of what you need to be doing. And that's neither here nor there. So the difference between flexibility and mobility is where you guys want to explore. And I talk a lot about that in the Muslim Intelligence community, in the Muslim Intelligence Mamma 40 Nation website. And the third one of the trilogy there is Initiate. And so once you've found that setup and once you've created that massive amount of stability, and one thing I will say about stability actually is- Stability can be created internally by your muscles, or it can actually be created externally as well by machines, benches, the floor, things like that. So we want to leverage those things. We just need to learn where to put them in the workout while we still develop the skill of ultimately uh, creating stability and not moving. We have to realize there's still utility and benefit in using these external things to stabilize, right? So an example being a preacher curl for a bench press or sorry a preacher curl for a bicep or even a bench press is a good example if there was no bar if there was no bench behind you how much would you press in the opposite direction right so you have this external stabilizer that allows you to increase the force output at the muscle so something to think about and number 15 quality before quantity. So I'm going to rip through some of these guys a, a little bit quicker because I don't want to be on here too long. Quality before quantity, that's very obvious. I mean, it's, it's most people try to quantify things with sets and reps and volume and load, but the quality sucks. And, and as you fatigue, quality gets worse. And it's impossible in my eyes to start to quantify things, meaning like programming until you first standardize the stimulus right? You got to make sure you're doing things correctly first. And that's where muscle intelligence fits in. That's, that's where we, we cut our teeth, uh, so to speak, as we teach you guys how to do it correctly so that all the other programming you do for the rest of your life will have its greatest benefit. Number 16, this is an important one. I want to asterisk this one as well, is muscle growth in my eyes is defined as maximum tension over variable time. So I want to create maximum tension no matter what in every rep, in every inch, in every millimeter of every rep. And then I just vary the amount of time and time can be varied, meaning the amount of time in concentric, the time of amount of time in eccentric, the amount of time in isometric and the amount of time between sets. So there's a, there's a number of different amount of total time in the workout too, right? So there's a whole bunch of different variables within that, but ultimately muscle building in a nutshell, maximum tension over variable time. And maybe I should move that one up higher to the top because it's important that we define that before you start to think about stability and all these other things. So as I release this document publicly, I will move that one closer to the top. Number 17, this is huge as well. So if you guys remember anything from this document, this would be a big one. There's three things you need to progress your body, period, mobility, stability, and skill. And you need to have the prerequisite mobility to get into the range of motion. So if you have a weak body part, I already know that you're, one, probably not able to get into the range. Two, certainly not able to stabilize in the extremes of the range. Those are 100% certainty. I don't know that I've met anybody who has a weak body part who is, one, first able to get into a position, a lengthened or shortened position for that muscle, and second, be able to stabilize there. So I want you guys to acknowledge that in, in part of this um entire paradigm we're creating here with muscle intelligence. And the final part of that trilogy is the skill. You need to be able to to gradually incrementally increase that skill of lifting with resistance and maintaining the skill as we progress load and volume and effort, right? Skill is so vital. If you lose the skill, the challenge goes out the window. And the simplest way to think about this is the ideal way to conceptualize it is you had an elastic band and I need to create the skill of maintaining as much tension through that elastic band as I can. And imagine the elastic band obviously being the muscle. And the goal then is to create a lengthened muscle and then a shortened muscle and then a lengthened muscle, muscle, not losing that tension in any opposite direction. And that may not be the best visual example for a podcast, but we've got some videos around the internet for that. So number 18 ties very well into number 17, and that's simply train mobility. You have to train mobility and that's not flexibility. It's not stretching. It's not the same thing. Mobility means getting into a range actively by the means of my muscular energy, not moving myself somewhere with like the wall or something stretching me there, something putting me there. Mobility is actively going into a range and spending time there. Okay. Thinking about that, that's always, that's that's the foundation of, of mobility. Obviously, there's many levels of complexity. Number 19 is something that I don't often talk about on podcasts or anywhere that's not visual. This is something if you've been to one of my camps or work with me personally in the gym or one of my coaches, you'll know this. Isolation and integration is a big part of exercise. What does that mean? So when most people talk about – if you've read any of my my body part documents, you'll have seen this as well. If you talk about building a weak body part, most people will say what? Just compounds, man. You want to build the back, you got to do more compounds. Build your biceps, oh barbell rows, man. It's absolute ridiculous. If you want to build your quads, do you do more squats? You know, no, 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 no. It's not the case, right? So isolate and integrate. So what does that mean? So integrated movement would be a squat. A squat's an integrated movement where you have a whole bunch of muscles integrating to, to comprise this movement, right? A bench press is an integrated movement. Any movement could be considered an integrated movement, but that movement, that sum is only is only as good as the sum of its parts, right? So that total exercise is only as good as the sum of its parts. So if there's a piece that's weak, and I'll give you an example of the glutes. So if you're someone who wants to build glutes and someone says, hey man, you need to squat more, that's not gonna work for you, right? It, Will it work a little bit? Sure. But what you need to do is you need to improve your ability to contract the glutes at all aspects of the range of motion, the lengthened, the shortened, and all of those in between, and then reintegrate. So you're isolating the glute and then you're reintegrating into into the system. And that's how it works. So think that through, guys. It's not just about doing more or working harder. It just doesn't make any sense. Number 20 is perfect practice. Practice doesn't make perfect, guys. Perfect practice makes perfect. So practice a lot. Number 21, own every inch of every rep. And you could say a millimeter for people who are in different parts of the world. It has to be that meticulous. It really does. And the only way you can do that is with what type of tempo. It has to be so controlled. Right? It has to be slow, metic- so meticulous that I can actually stop on a dime and I can tell you exactly what muscle is actually doing the work. Most people are moving weight. We don't move weight. Remember this quote we mindfully contract muscle against resistance. Mindfully contracting muscle against resistance. That's muscle intelligence, right? It's not just slinging weights, it's not going in there and being mindless, it's being present and mindfully contracting muscle against resistance. That's number 21. Number 22 is another very important one. Ramp up contractions, not load. So if you can't contract a muscle in its entirety or in a very specific part of the range, you can't just think that adding more weight is going to make it bigger. It doesn't work. You have to learn to ramp up your ability to contract that muscle, whether it be the bicep or the pec or the ladder, the glute or whatever. You got to spend time where you're weak and I can tell you if you're weak, it's always going to be at the short position and the lengthened position. So get to those positions, create stability there and create stability. Again, that's another level of complexity, but it's you create stability there by contracting the antagonist muscle. Again, I won't get into that, but uh, maybe an example being if I wanted to improve my ability to contract my glute, because that's when I'm, I'm working with someone today, You know, I work with people all the time because the glute just seems to be a big pain point for a lot of people. It's not about doing more. I'm going to take you to that fully lengthened glute, which means probably standing on one leg, going into what we call a hip airplane, and then trying to create stability at the front of the hip by contracting the hip flexors and pulling yourself into a more lengthened glute. And if we get to that fully lengthened glute and still have stability in the hip flexor, then try to reverse the contraction, relax the hip flexor, contract the glute, now we know that glutes relatively lengthen or as length as it's going to be. And I try to create contraction there before I move. So this is important. And again, just guys, just to reiterate, if you want this document, it's going to be available on Muscle intelligence, certainly in the next couple of days. So if you purchase a program, this will be included with every program we put out from now on, because I want you guys to get into this stuff. And if you're signed up for our newsletter, you're going to get one of these a day. It's for you to practice because I know it's a lot. I realize it's a lot of things to think about, but we're going to make it printable. So you can put on your fridge or maybe you can just have the PDF on your phone for you to look at. And my suggestion is just focus on one a day because it's a lot. Now, you know, I tried to narrow it down. It really did. And there may be some that's let, that are over two overlapped, but I also wanted to make it short enough so that you guys could just remember one point. So the next one be, is is something I spoke about already is become a warrior and a monk. And I think that's a really good visual example for you guys to realize like, hey, I want to be able to get to this high state of arousal during my sets. Like I want to be savage and then I want to get down here as soon as I'm done and I want to be a monk, right? It should get to the point where there's not even a breath after your set. It's just and you're calm. One breath. Conversely, on the other end, if you want to get to that focused savagery that you need during a set, it's literally one breath. And I'll tell you how I do that. This is a great hack for you guys who have a hard time getting focused or getting that super like intense contractile ability in a set. So just before I go into a set, I'm going to grab the bar or get into the machine. Whatever I'm doing, and I'm going to completely relax my body. I'm going to exhale all my air out. And this don't do this on a squat, but anything else, you're probably fine. I'm going to exhale all my air out passively through my nose as I can. Just let it relax. When I get to the end of my exhalation, I'm going to hold. When I feel the desire to, to breathe, I take a strong breath in through my nose and I go. I do my set. And what you guys will notice, your ability to do work is greater. So you're getting that little bit of a breath hold, which is allowing your body to accumulate CO2, which is a good thing. And then we take a big sympathetic breath in. So the nervous system is ramped. And then we go. And I've noticed, I mean, subjectively, right? But across the board, I notice a 20% greater ability to produce intensity. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean I could do more reps, but my ability to contract is increased. My ability to do a greater amount of load is increased. Like I did some stuff last week that I was so surprised that I was still able to do because I was accessing this high amount of sympathetic arousal from breath holds. All right, guys, we're number 24. Uh, We're going to rip through these last ones, probably not too many more minutes, a to go. Number 24 is laser focus and savagery. So this is this idea of if you have a hard time focusing, use this type of breath. If you have a hard time accessing the savage, use this breath. So I'm just tying these two together. So the focus breath is going to be a simple four seconds in, six seconds out. The exhale is always going to be slightly longer than the inhale if you're aiming for focus. If you're aiming for something that's a little bit more intense, you can do the one I just said right there with the breath hold, or you can go back into that one we did pre-workout was a three-three breath. I think both of those are very, very useful. Anything that's increasing the breath rate, so if it's you're gonna get up fast. You're gonna be you're gonna be very amplified. And I talk about that as being. Like a pre-workout for your brain, for your nervous system. It's like you don't need a vasodilator anymore. You're vasodilated. You don't need a caffeine anymore. You're you're ready to go. So, guys, learning how to access your breath is a huge piece. I'm gonna have Brian McKenzie back on the on the show again really, really soon, because I really want to dive into this stuff, especially just to empower you guys with it. And we'll also have a live in the Facebook community for you guys to be able to ask questions. I'm gonna do my best to get him on more often because he's just such a wealth of information. Number 25, again, you've heard me you say this is nasal breathing. you got to breathe through your nose. Number 26, increase the CO2 tolerance. And this is, again, coming back to that breath. So why do we want to increase CO2 tolerance? Well, your ability to tolerate carbon dioxide is going to be highly correlated with performance and your ability to not feel tired, not feel challenged during your workout. So I can do greater amount of work, a greater amount of volume, a greater amount of density with a lower perceived exertion. And again, I won't get into details how to do that, but the simple way to think about it is introducing some light breath holds before you train. Exhale your air, hold your breath. Breathe in through the nose. Get your breath back to normal. Do it again. So you can do that on a bike. You can do that somewhere where you are just walking. So Patrick McEwen teaches that, just kind of walking around that accumulation of CO2, that desire to breathe, the air hunger is what Patrick McEwen calls it, is a great indicator that, hey, I'm accumulating CO2 here. Like I really want to take this breath in. Well, learn to tolerate that. Learn to get better and better at tolerating that. So your ability to hold your breath, your ability to extend that exhalation is an indicative of that CO2 tolerance. Number 27, visualize the process and outcome before every set. So I want to know what it feels like. I want to see it in my mind. I want to see me succeeding and pushing through and grinding through those reps. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is quitting on a rep before they're done. And this is a great example. If you think about a bicep curl, how many of you guys, or, or maybe a squat, even another example, or a leg extension, let's use a bicep curls example. because the first thing that came to mind. When I get to the bi- top of a bicep curl, what do I do? I let it go. <laughs> I don't hold it there hold it there, squeeze it there. And visualizing that before you start the set will make it indoctrinated into who you are faster, right? It becomes unconscious faster if you visualize because your brain doesn't know the difference. So if you want to learn skill faster, visualize. Number 28, create an internal focus. We talked about that. Number 29, uh, don't focus on the number of reps. The reps is there as a guideline. I think most maybe, maybe people make a mistake on this. The reps are a guideline. We're really focused on... Muscular challenge in a given amount of time, right? So we don't necessarily need to. Three sets of eight is completely useless and inconsequential if it's not creating the internal result, the internal stimulus I want. So most people focus that one conscious thought they're able to hold on counting repetitions. It's silly. Don't focus on that yet, right? If you have someone who's there like a training partner, great. They can count the reps for you. You should be focused on creating as much tension as you can in a muscle and as much stability you can around the muscle, around the rest of your body. Those should be your two primary focuses. Number 30, hashtag crushed it. No, you didn't. (laughs) This is kind of comical, but kind of not. Like We're not working hard in the gym. I've never worked hard a day in my life and I made it pretty damn far in bodybuilding because it's relative, right? Compared to who? Compared to what? Like we're not working hard. We're blessed to be able to go in the gym and be able to do this stuff and challenge our body and challenge our mind every day. It doesn't have to be perceived as hard, right? It doesn't have to be. That's only your perception. So if you learn to change your perception and go, I'm getting better. I did well today. I enjoy this process. You're never going to work hard a day in your life. So if you're someone who's suffering through, oh, it's really hard, that's okay. Acknowledge that. And don't go deep into the fire yet. Be consistent with every single day going a little bit further into that discomfort. And when you feel like it's enough, you stop and you go, hey, you know what? I just don't want to do anymore right now, but I'm really happy about what I did today. And let's celebrate that. And tomorrow, let's go a little bit further because I want you to celebrate those little victories. I want you to give yourself that little dopamine hit for that little bit of discomfort you subjected yourself to. And eventually, and it may be a year and it may be five years, but eventually, you're going to love it. And that's just part of this dopamine system that exists in the brain, giving your brain the little carrot. 31, always do 10% more than is asked of you. And I think that's a life trait that I teach my kids that I try to do myself. If I say I am gonna do 10, I do 11. At the very least, I'm going to try. And one thing you'll see me do with my training partners, we haven't been filming our videos or our, our workouts a lot, but I'll always, as soon as they think the set is done, do you know what I say? And Jordan Shallow sent me a message this morning. It was kind of funny. Uh, but you know what I say? Okay, now five more they think the set's done. And I say five more. They're like, what are you out of your mind? I'm like, no, you fucking do five more. Why? Because you're not done. You're just done in that range, right? So maybe you can't do a full rep anymore. I don't care. You're still using that muscle, still contract that muscle. You do five more reps. I don't care if it's a centimeter, but you're going to do five more reps. Then you're going to try your ass off to keep going, right? And if I see you can do more than five reps as a training partner, I'm going to make sure that you, you you fail on that fifth one. Or very close. So that's a thought, right? So always do 10% more than is asked of you. Or maybe it's 50%, right? And that's where those five reps come in. Uh, number 32 is put your phone away. I'm not going to repeat that. Put your damn phone away, guys. It's it's time for training, not, not selfies and texting and scrolling. Number 33, and this is important. As soon as you put the last repetition down, as soon as you do, recovery begins. And how do we do that? Well, we get out of warrior mode. And we get into monk mode. We disconnect from the environment because we don't want to be in in the warrior environment in monk mode, do we? So we will leave that environment. And so for me, it's the sauna or it's going into my office or it's going into the couch or something where you kind of anchor this position where I'm going to go. Thank you. Thank you for letting me do this and stay healthy. Thank you for challenging my body. Thank you for improving my mind. Thank you. I'll do five minutes of deep, relaxed, extended exhalation breathing to really start to anchor in that parasympathetic state before I ever consider putting food into my gullet, right? I was like, oh, I got to eat post-workout window. No, man. Prepare your body for food before you shove food into your, into your gullet. Number 34 is a really good one that maybe should come earlier in the document, but this is something you guys don't think about is develop a strong grip. And Why do I say that? So how many people use straps? Can you uh, associate with using straps? Well, my suggestion is you lose those straps at least until it's a maximum load. So why? The grip is so massively correlated with the nervous system and the the stability. So like your grip, we know the grip test is going to test the neurological output. So you almost use the grip to kind of self-regulate the type of training you should do today. So if I have a really strong grip, I know that my nervous system is ready to go. If it's weak, it's not so strong today, right? And and it also lets me determine left to right. If there's a disparity left to right, it tells me something may be wrong in my shoulder. So I I really suggest most people stop using straps as much as you can. If you have a weak grip, it's really because your shoulder girdle is probably weaker. You're you're weak at the trunk and spine. Your nervous system starts to downregulate this contraction of the grip, either if it's fatigued, your HRV is low or you don't have enough stability at the shoulder and spine. So something to think about, guys. Number 35 is every day is an opportunity for progress. Just take one step in the right direction. So here's where this comes from. So many of us in the high-level athletic community, I don't know if you guys will attach to this, but so many of us are so attached that today has to be the best workout of my life. And if I don't have the, the you know PR today or if I don't have the PB or whatever the hell you guys want to call it, wherever you're in the world, well, then it's a failure. You know, I didn't crush it today. Today is not the goal Long-term is the goal. So as long as today has built the habits, the discipline, the character, that's going to allow me to step up over the next three months, six months, 12 months, and move in the right direction, today's a win. So I, I fought with this for a long time. If it wasn't the best workout of my life where I felt like I was you know crushed and laying on the floor, I felt like I failed. And I think that's a big issue. So guys, don't be attached to having to be laying on the floor at the end of a workout. That's not the goal. The, the goal of a workout is to challenge a muscle and progress habits of greatness, right? We are the set of habits that we accumulate. That's that's our life. So if you're going to create great habits around the workout, it starts in every single rep, every single set, every single workout. And 37, again, same thing. Consistency wins, right? So it's not about just one. It's not about today. It's about I need to be consistent over the next four weeks. And here's one thing that I lock in with my clients is if you commit to three months, you finish three months. And again, it's so easy to not. It's so hard to follow through on those commitments you make because it's so easy to go. Oh, well, there's this distraction over here. It's very challenging. I live it too. You have to know your values. You have to know why you started. The type of workout that you do should be determined by the state of your body going into the gym. And now, it obviously needs to be determined by your goal. So it has to be goal dependent. But. I certainly don't want to be subjecting my body to a huge amount of volume, like a hypertrophy high volume workout, if my heart rate variability is low and my recoverability is very, very poor because then I'm just digging a deeper trench, right? And the, the metaphor I often use in my classes is, is every everything you do, everything that's stressful is just liken it to digging a hole, right? So if I do a lot of things that are stressful today, I'm digging a big hole and all those things that are recovery oriented, and that could be meditation and sleep and breathing and food and being outside and sex and connecting with humans, those things are filling the hole back in. Those things are filling the hole, right? If I already have a big hole going into the gym, meaning my heart rate variability is very low, my stress is very high, well, I don't want to keep digging a bigger, bigger hole because eventually I have a trench and it takes me longer to fill it back in. And eventually I can't fill it back in, right? So be super aware of how to adjust those stimuli. Not going to get into it today, but this will be a topic of a future discussion. Also something, as I mentioned, I talk talk about on the mentorship, if you guys are interested in that. Number 39, again, a bit off topic, but again, maybe one of the most important things that people don't think about is before you go to the gym, you have to hydrate because people go, like, man, what's your number one pre-workout? The answer is water and electrolytes and maybe sometimes salt, right? That's it. Why? Because that's... The most important thing, like water and breathing, those are the most important things that you can do as a pre-workout. Everything else that happens on top of that is superfluous and maybe a bonus, but not necessary. So if I had three things in my pre-workout, it would be water and electrolytes, breathing, and maybe some caffeine because it's just important. So all those other stimulatory things are secondary at best, not unnecessary, but secondary. And this is the last one, and I want to wrap this up, but I'll answer all you guys' questions since we're here because I got this question very recently is is what do you eat before you train? And what you eat before you train should be determined by the state of your body. So as I talked about in the previous ones, what's your heart rate variability and obviously your goal, right? So there's no standard like best pre-workout, right? So the best pre-workout is what I just said. Make sure you have extra water and extra electrolytes. If you want to get super picky, maybe adding some B vitamins and some amino acids into it and maybe some creatine, But those things are are energy substrates. They're going to allow your cells to produce more energy. That's what I'm after, right? I don't need seven different types of stimulants. I need cellular substrate, B vitamins, sodium, potassium, water, like simple stuff. That's what should be the foundation of your pre-workout, guys. If you're doing this correctly, you don't need all those other things, right? Do they help? Sure. Not often. Do them on leg day only or on your weak body part day. So I wrote exactly here. I said, there's no standard pre-workout. Water, electrolytes, amino acids, small amounts of caffeine, B vitamins, and creatine. Those would be like my foundation. All right, boys and girls. Looks like we got everything. Any other questions coming in before I sign off for the day? That was nice and concise. I ripped through those pretty quick. If you guys do want this document, check out MuscleIntelligence.com. Pick up a program. This will be included as a bonus for you guys, at least for the time being. I'll probably include it as a free bonus for the next mm, three to four weeks. So if you guys want to check it out um, at some point, it will be there very, very soon. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you being here. Have a wonderful day. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate you share with at least one person you know that will love to listen to this information. Uh, we really want to just spread the message of intelligent muscle building around the world with as many people as we can. That's the mission. That's the message. If you're part of this community, guys, I really appreciate you being here. I know we've had a lot of people slide under the radar lately. And as you see, I'm being pretty ruthless with removing them, like it or not. Uh, Some people aren't happy about the fact that I'm removing the bad eggs or the bad apples, but I am. And uh, hey, it's part of the business. It's part of what we do. And we just want the greatest people in there who are lifting each other up. So be part of our community, lift each other up, share this message, and let's all help each other live the greatest life in a body we love. Talk to you soon